The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Ephesians speaks of the unity of the church, um, the glory of Christ as the head of the church. Um, Ephesians tells us that God's plan is to recreate humanity to its originally intended purpose, that we as sinners, now because of the Spirit of God, can be transformed by the Spirit of God. And so I was reading this the week I was gone, and I thought this morning, instead of just going through everybody giving a testimony, I would use our text this morning to share a couple of thoughts from the text and, and really encapsulate several of the themes that came up over and over again as we spoke with one another about what we would take away from this trip. So Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, if you do not know this, Verses 3 through 14 are one long sentence. It's all one sentence. And and in this sentence, you'll find several things. If you go all the way to verses 19 or 20, you'll find actually three things that Paul wants the church of Jesus Christ to know. He wants you to know your calling, what you have been called to do. He then wants you to know your hope. Or your, not your hope, I'm sorry, your calling, your blessings. And then thirdly, he wants you to know the empowerment you have. And when we are aware of these three things in our Christian life, this truth will impact our life every day of our life as we understand this truth. And so, let me briefly, and I do mean that briefly this morning, give you the three areas of our calling, our blessings, empowerment, and then I'll make the application from our trip this morning and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Number one, believer this morning, you must know your calling. Your calling. The word church itself, right? Ecclesia means a called out assembly. That as believers, we have been called out to God. We've been called away from the world. We have been called into community into the church of Jesus Christ. And we become part of that church by redemption. Paul speaks of that, about forgiveness, redemption, being chosen, adopted. But you must understand this morning that you and I as believers, we are called into this community. And the community is an amazing thing. If you've ever been anywhere overseas and working with other believers, whether they know the language or not, if they are born again, Instantly, you have a connection with them because they are brothers and sisters in Christ. There's no way around it. And you experience that universally, and you experience it locally as a church. We are a redeemed, called-out people. Not only that, but we are, in our calling, not only are we redeemed, but we are called to be remade. God saved you, he saved me, he called us to change us. Listen to um, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. Paul says, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places 
might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says, hey, there was a mystery. And a mystery just means it wasn't revealed in the past, now it's revealed. Here's the mystery, that God is going to call out a people and make them a church, a community, from every walk of life, every status of life, every background, Jew, Gentile, male and female, making them one. And in this church, he would show the manifest wisdom. The multifaceted wisdom of God is displayed through the church the church of Jesus Christ. That your calling is such that you're redeemed and you are in the process of being recreated so that as the world looks to the church, it says, oh my goodness, this God is wise. This God is unbelievable. Look what he has done in the lives of his people. As you read through Ephesians, Paul goes on to say in chapter 4 that we're supposed to, we're supposed to put off the old man, the old self, and be renewed in the spirit of our mind and put on the new self. Right? right, which is created after righteousness and holiness, that we are to look like God. So we are called to be redeemed people, to be recreated, and to look for the hope of our calling, which is the return of Jesus Christ. When we arrived in Guatemala, Rudy had just buried his father on Sunday. We arrived on Tuesday. And the great reminder for all of this is that as a redeemed people, this is not all there is, right? There is a hope that goes beyond the grave. This is our calling, the hope of our calling, the return of Christ. So Paul says, you need to know your calling. You're called to be part of the body. Number two, he says, you need to know your blessings. Your blessings. I won't take a lot of time on all of these. There's about seven listed from verses 4 through 14, but listen to the blessings that the believer has in Christ. They're all in Christ. First, you have purpose. Believer this morning, you have purpose. You don't have to make up a purpose. You don't have to hug a tree or go on some crusade. You already have purpose. The Bible says you are chosen. God claims those in Christ for himself and for his own purposes. You have purpose. You have privilege. Verse 5 says that you are adopted. And adoption is a wonderful thing. But in Paul's day, adoption meant that you had all the privileges of the firstborn child, an adult child, which meant this. No matter what your old life was like, if you had debt, if you had a past, when you were adopted, all those things were gone. You were in a new family. That's your privilege. He then goes on to say that we were purchased. We are redeemed. And we are purchased at a great price. Again, you never have to wonder, does God love me? Do I need a sign? Do I need a word of knowledge? You don't. You have a sign. It's on a hill called Calvary where Christ died for you. You're redeemed. You are purchased. Not only that, he says, you are forgiven. Your sins are in the past. There is now, therefore, no condemnation. Well, might the accuser roar of things that I have done or sins that I have done. I know them all and thousands more. Jehovah knoweth none. Not only that, I am part of the church. This new humanity. This mystery that we are part of his church. Not only that, we participate in his glory. 
that we are his inheritance and we will share as believers in his inheritance. I don't know about you, but as I think about an inheritance for my family, I'm going to inherit debt. Right? I'm talking from my side. From the Mannings, I'll inherit incredible wealth. But from my side, I will inherit debt. There's nothing good about that inheritance. But when God says that you are my inheritance and that you will inherit what Christ inherits, do you know what that means? Kuiper said this, there is not one square inch on planet Earth where the risen Christ does not say, mine. It's all his. And the Bible says, the blessing I have, that is, I am part of that inheritance. I will inherit what Christ has inherited. Not only that, we're protected. He goes on to say that God knows and owns his own, and he seals them. And then finally, we have the promise that what he has sealed, he will keep. It's a day of redemption. So our calling, we're called to community. These are our blessings for every believer. And then finally, he says, our empowerment. Look back at chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. He says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Paul says, this is your calling. You're called into the church, community, all those things. These are your blessings, a short list of your blessings. And finally he says, this is your empowerment. This is the power you have. And what I find fascinating is Paul does not say, the power that you have is from creation. That the God of the universe speaks, and in his words, all of what we see, let there be light, and it explodes. What creative power that is. He doesn't say that. Nor as a Jew does he say, listen, you've got the power of the Exodus, the greatest event that happened to the Jew, when God, through his power, showed ten signs to deliver his people, then they crossed the Red Sea, then he sustained them. It's power. He doesn't say that. You know what he says? The power of the resurrection. That this power that brought life to a dead Christ, real, transforming life, the lifeless body, which now transcends space and can never be subjected to death again, life burst from death. Paul says, I want you to know something. This is your calling, these are your blessings, but your empowerment is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, is the spirit that lives in you. You ought to let that rattle around in your head for a little while. Resurrection power. So, let me make the application this morning. When it comes to our calling, I want you to see the importance of community. Ephesians 1.22, Paul says this, God hath put all things under his feet, Christ, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that dwelleth all in all. God's plan is that in his church, that all the fullness of Christ is seen. Brother and sister in Christ, listen to me. The church is important. 
The church in Guatemala is important. The community in Guatemala is important. But the church in Chatham and the community in Chatham are important as well. That God is taking a people that he's called out, who have been redeemed, that he is recreating, that they're looking for the return of Christ. He says, listen, when the world sees you, I want them to see all the fullness of Christ and who he is. Listen to me, if that's the case, if this is our calling, how supreme it is, then we as a people should show up to community. Show up as we assemble together. I drive now out to Dresden, and I'm good with the drive. I love the drive. But every time I drive out there, I drive past the arena, the hockey arena. Can I tell you something? There's not a time of day that there aren't vehicles up there. There's not a time of day when it's not full. There's not a time. People go, and they go incessantly there. They're going to show up, right? Do you know why most of those people show up? Maybe why you show up? It's because you think that somehow, someway, that child of yours will finally make the pros, and you will be wealthy for the rest of your life, right? You know what the percentage of that is? That they're going to make the pros? 0.02%, okay? But you will give your life to that. Can I tell you something? Let me give you this percentage. There is a 100% chance, 100%, not 100% chance, 100%, your child will stand before Christ someday. Not a 0.02, but a 100% chance. And we act as if community doesn't matter, and yet God says, I will show the fullness of Christ in the body of Christ. Show up. Show up. I don't feel like I'm part of that community. Okay, then shut up. Quit whining. Come and be loved and forgiven and reconciled and do life together. Chances are, you might not feel part of the community because you give nothing to community. I, I was so amazed the other day, um, and I, I think I'm just talking out of turn here, but this, this struck me. They had a shower for Rachel Olson. Rachel's been coming here now for, I don't know, a month, maybe, a month. Joe's been coming longer. There's an opportunity for our church to show love to this young lady. And I could not believe woman after woman who came and gave money for a gift and showed up on Saturday to show her love and appreciation, that's the body of Christ. That's the way this works. Show up. Number two, speak up. The church has a mandate. It's to proclaim the gospel. Sometimes we go on mission trips and we think, well, that's where we proclaim the gospel. Sorry. The mandate is for us all the time to proclaim the gospel. We took that trip up into the, the, the house of that villager that could not come, the, the, the poverty-stricken home. I don't know if you saw in the video, but there was a video where a picture where there's a table there and there's a family there. And when we went into that, into that home, it was clear it was abject poverty. And you see it. And, and when you see it for the first time or you see it again, it's gut-wrenching. It, it, it will shake you, and it should shake you. But the problem is, as you view this man and this woman who were poor, the backdrop was their poverty. And you see the poverty, and it's like, oh, my goodness, they have real needs. And they do have real needs. 
And then we come home, and the backdrop is not poverty. The backdrop of the people around us is prosperity. And so we don't see a great need there, and yet in the process of both those backdrops, we lose sight of the real person, because both, both of those individuals need something greater than what you see at first glance. Whether it's poverty or prosperity, they are living souls that need the gospel of Christ. We have a proclamation. We lose sight of living souls. We must see as God sees. Whether it's abject poverty or abundant prosperity, there are living souls who are dying without Christ. Not just in some village in the middle of no place in Guatemala. It's in our neighborhoods, our families, our places of work. We see prosperity and think we got it all covered. That's even more deceptive. Because there's a real need there. Our calling is for community. Our blessings are for contentment. Can I tell you something this morning? All of humanity is the same. It's all the same. The first time I ever went to Guatemala, I keep a journal of when I go. And one of the things that I noticed in, in Guatemala was, one of the first things, are these little sisters taking care of their brothers. They grab their hands. They take care of them. They're, they mother their siblings, which happens everywhere, right? You've, if you've got a little girl, especially the oldest girl, like, like Avery, right, she mothers, not, nothing against you, Terry, you're a good mother, but you know that, that Avery and, and, and Dan, and, and so uh, Avery and girls like that, they just, and it happens here, it happens in Guatemala. Not only that, human nature is the same here as it is in Guatemala. The kid who steals extra Timbits in junior church, right, they do the same thing in Guatemala, a kid will get a gift, and then he'll hide in his pocket and say, I got nothing. It happens all the time. Why? Because human nature is greedy. It's all the same. And, and we come back from these trips and say, I need to be content. And that's a great thing. But the key is not just to see the poor and talk yourself into being grateful for what you have. The key is to see the person of Christ. And be satisfied in him. In him. I think so many times we see poverty and we think, yeah, I just got to be content. I got to be content. And certainly we should be. But until we see all the blessings we have in Christ, until, until we are truly full in him, we will never be satisfied. And you can go on as many trips as you want to and see as much poverty as you want to. But until your heart is satisfied in him and him alone, it will not change. You must be truly full of him. If you're wondering what your blessings are, go back and read chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, and you'll see at least seven of them there. We should be content. We have community. We should be content, being satisfied in Christ. And then finally this morning, we must be committed to building the kingdom of God. The spirit that raised up Christ lives within us, and he empowers us to build the kingdom. And that's true, not for the elder or the pastor or the deacon. It's true for every person in this room. If you are born again by the power of Christ, if you've been saved, if the Spirit of God lives within you, then you are called, you are blessed, 
And you are empowered not to sit and do nothing, but to be used for the glory of God. That there is something that you and you alone can do and must do. And so many times we minimize this and say, well, I'm just one person. God doesn't need an army. He needs one person who yields themselves to his service and his glory. And when we do that, you can't imagine what will happen. We, were, we took this trip with Rudy up to see the place where he was born. His father owns, I think, about 100 acres. I don't know, but a beautiful spot of, of the country there. And we saw where Rudy was born, and then we saw where his grandmother was buried. And I think it was his grandmother, not his great-grandmother. I was trying to do the math in my head. I think it's his grandmother. If I'm wrong, forgive me. But his grandmother was a second-generation Spaniard who came to Guatemala. She was a woman of affluence. And then she started to study theology. She was actually studying theology. She was born again. She was a believer in Christ. She trusted Christ in a predominantly Catholic area, a Catholic nation. And so she would go, uh, I don't know if it was monthly or weekly, but she would take a trip from Antigua, where it's nice, to a village in San Martin to minister to the people who were there. And eventually what happened was she was so so in love with the gospel and the calling that she had that she decided to stay there and minister. And in the process, she married a man from the village who, uh, who was also a believer in Christ. And they raised a family in the middle of no place for the glory of God. That woman gave birth to Rudy's father. Rudy's father who just passed away after, who was a believer as well who would preach the gospel to numerous churches. He was a senator in Guatemala. Senator. Matter of fact, when he passed away, they had a moment of silence for Rudy's father. And uh, it's interesting, uh, in the the Senate, they have an artist who draws a cartoon of every senator, and they lampoon them, right? So if you were a senator who was a womanizer, there would be a cartoon of you with a bunch of women behind you. And that's what they would do. If you were an alcoholic, it would be you and a bunch of bottles of booze with you. And for Rudy's father, there's a cartoon picture of him that he's hanging, it's hanging on his, in his home right now, of his father in a suit with a Bible tucked in his pocket. They were mocking him for it. But it was a badge of honor for him because what he was doing was he had this plan and purpose to lead other senators to Christ for the gospel. As a matter of fact, it, he helped write the Constitution after the Civil War. And one of the first lines in there are about religious freedom. And until he died, still, until he got sick, still pastoring churches. Then Rudy was born. And Rudy and Suli now, for I don't know how long, have been ministering in San Martin, El Moro, El Zapatillo, San Cristobal. And they've been reaching hundreds for the cause of Christ. Say, so what's the point? Well, here's the point. That all started with one woman. One woman who said, Lord, here I am. You've called me, you have blessed me, and now you've empowered me to do what? To live out her faith and impact generations for the gospel of Christ. And if that doesn't connect to you, if you still have a hard time thinking, how does that work? Can I tell you something that might connect with you? We've been doing this trip now for maybe eight, nine years. Michelle, when's the first time you went to Guatemala? Eight years ago. Do you know why, for eight years, 
we have been investing in Guatemala. That wasn't my idea. It wasn't Pastor Dan's idea. We had one woman who worked for Christian Horizon, who at the last minute took a mission trip to build a home, and when she came back, she stood on a Sunday night. It was not this platform. It was the old platform. There was an organ here, and she set a pair of tennis shoes on the organ and wept about the need in Guatemala. And that one testimony by Michelle Peters was so powerful that for the next eight years, our church has invested, and we're reaching now. I know we pay for airplane and tickets, but almost $100,000 invested in this ministry because of one woman who was obedient. And So what I'm telling you this morning is simply this. In our commitment to the kingdom, we need to sacrifice for the future. Quit living for now or Friday night. There is a bigger picture, and only God knows what can be done with one life who understands their calling, who glories in their blessing, and is empowered by the Spirit of God to build the kingdom of God. And so this morning, I am blessed to be able to go. I'm so thankful for the trip. I'm thankful to be home. But, but that trip is not just for the people who went. That trip is for you and I as well. Understand your calling. You're called to community. You're called to the church. To understand your blessings. That in Christ, you have everything. Everything. And that it is not in your strength. It is not in my strength. We are empowered by the spirit of the living God who raised Christ from the dead. That is a power that's alive in our hearts that works through us for the kingdom of Christ. And so this morning, I pray that we would all be impacted by this trip. And not just a trip, by the word of God that speaks of these truths. Let's have a word of prayer this morning.